Hello, and welcome to Tight Four, the podcast where we provide our abbreviated views on a variety of topics, ranging from movies to sports to random historical events. My name is Max Maraba. I'm Joshua Grady. And I appreciate your taking the lead on the description there. Yeah, I know how you struggle. Sometimes. I didn't have it. I know. I didn't have it. I, I feel like there's a power imbalance because you have headphones and I don't have headphones. That's exactly right. And I just feel like you look more professional than me right now. Do you want to take it one step further? Yeah. We're using my computer in my home. I mean, I yeah, but you got to be somewhere. But you drove right? me here. I did drive you here. So, I mean, at the end of the day... We're equals. We're pretty even. <laughs> we both have Zen gardens. Oh, we do um, both have Zen gardens. Yeah. Um, I don't see any reason why we can't just jump right into it. Yeah, we're doing a new little little show. Absolutely, little, little time for us. It's been a little bit. We haven't podcasted in almost a year. It's been a while. It's been like it was like late July. We haven't podcasted the two of us in like two years. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Like it's, November yeah. of. 2020 mm-hmm. december yeah november 2020 yeah. that's crazy when we were supposed to learn how to juggle and neither of us did and we spent more of our time talking about the film major league oh we talked about that a lot mm-hmm. yeah but that's a good movie mm-hmm. well i don't see any reason why we can't just we can go, go for into it. it yeah um so in that case max could you maybe provide me a tight four maybe gonna, i'll start the timer yeah, as soon as i yeah, say yeah, yeah, yeah. it could you give me a tight four on the life and legacy of wes anderson so legacy, I can can you can someone have a legacy when they're not dead? Yes. Or when they're not like retired? LeBron has a legacy. Yeah, but it's not left yet because you leave a legacy. Yeah, but he's a LeBron James. <laughs> you can do whatever he wants. Wes, Wesley Anderson mm-hmm. I, uh, is a American filmmaker. He's American. He's not like Canadian or anything I weird, think right? Is he Danish? No, he's American. Okay. He's definitely not European. I'll leave it at that. that (laughs) Um, Wes Anderson is a American filmmaker slash producer who has been active since like the mid nineties. I think is when Bottle Rocket came out. Um, So he uh, he's known for a few things. He's known for his distinctive visual style of cinematography. He's a big fan of symmetry and colors. Um, and he has a little, what I like is he has a little posse. He has a posse of his favorite performers, which I always think is fun with a, with a director. Mm-hmm. Like, cause Tarantino has his guys Such like, as. well, Tarantino has Brad Pitt. I feel like tends to be in Tarantino films fairly often. Um, he's done Steve Buscemi. I think has been in a couple Sam Jackson, Sam Jackson's in a lot of them. Has John Travolta been in more than one or is it just Pulp Fiction? I think it's just the one. Okay. Um, but Wes Anderson has Bill Murray, especially, uh, the Wilson brothers. He has both of them. Jason Schwartzman, Adrian Brody, um, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Well, I said, I, did I not say Owen Wilson? Okay. Uh, and then he has a, he has Willem Dafoe in quite a few movies. So he, it, it, my associate, my love for him is helped by the fact that he employs a lot of actors that I enjoy very much. But... He kind of started, I think Bottle Rocket was like 94, 95, and it was like a low budget, like, I've never actually seen it. It's one of the ones I haven't seen. Um, but that's when he started with Owen Wilson. So he they started super early together mm-hmm. is, in terms of collaboration. And then he went into Rushmore, which is, I think, the first one Bill Murray's in. I believe so. Um, and also Jason Schwartzman. And Jason Schwartzman's name in that movie, I think, is Max, which is my name. That's good. Um... And he's, like, in love with a teacher or something? I don't know. Um, I, Wes Anderson, I enjoy him very much. I like a lot of his movies. I could, like how... Could you maybe pop me a top three and a bottom one? Top three? Um, it's probably going to be Darjeeling Limited. Is your favorite? I think so. I enjoy it. I enjoy that movie very much. Um, right below that, I'm probably going to put Moonrise Kingdom. And then right below that... It's probably going to be Life Aquatic. Wow. That's probably my top three. Dang. Doesn't mean I don't like the others. I love me some French Dispatch. Uh, Grand Budapest was the first one of his movies I ever saw. Real Tenenbaums is really good. My least favorite one. If I just had to say like the one I... I've, I think it's because I've seen it a couple times. But I, I, I would not super go out of my way to watch Grand Budapest again. 
Mm. Like I enjoy it, but like I just I don't have the 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 joie de vivre. Sure. Yeah, sure. I don't I don't have the desire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he just makes little fun little movies. I know. He, the, I think the biggest thing that he gets flack for is a lack of people of color in mm-hmm. his cast. They're pretty. They're pretty white. I mean, like Royal Tenenbaums has Danny Glover, and then like is it Guillermo de, Guillermo del Toro that's in so. French Dispatch yeah. as the prisoner? Mm-hmm. Oh, and he does stuff with um, what is his name? He's Zero in Grand Budapest. Tony Revolori? Is that five seconds name? to figure I it out. I have five seconds. No, I think it's Tony Revolori because he's Flash in the, in the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. I like Wes Anderson. Oh, what a great noise. That's a good one. You know what's the craziest takeaway with all of that? Is mm. that you didn't mention my favorite, which is Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's because I've seen that movie one time. Really? A long time ago. That's a great one. I know. I like George yeah. Clooney a lot. Yeah, I think George Clooney kind of fits right into that mm. thing. If I don't know, I, I think Wes Anderson, his next movie is a, a movie that says place in space. I believe that's his next. He's had one like in the mm-hmm. works like that for a while. Yeah, if, I feel like. Let me ask you yeah. a question: If you were going to be on the silver screen, yeah, would you want your movie to be? If you got one shot at a leading role, would you want your movie to be directed by Wes Anderson? I wouldn't be mad at it. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fun. I, I feel like I would probably... I don't know if he'd be my first choice. There's a really good chance that my choice might be Edgar Wright. Yeah. I think being in, being in an Edgar Wright movie would be so fun. Mm-hmm. Do you do, Would you agree with me that George Clooney plays the same character in Fantastic Mr. Fox and No Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah, it's the exact same it's thing. It's the same man. It's, it's the, the yeah. hyper-pride leader with um, an extensive a vocabulary. Little bit southern. Yeah, very verbose. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, a little bit of a southern draw. Always has a plan. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So he plays the same role in Ocean's Eleven as well. Every movie. Yeah, I guess he's more of a typecast guy. But he's a, a silver fox. Bit. He is a silver fox. So we can't... But in like the him. first Ocean's, he's not a silver fox. He's just a, a hot dude. Yeah. He's not silver yet. He'll get there someday. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's fully gray now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Josh, um, I don't want to catch you off guard... Or anything like that. I don't. I don't mean to spring this on you, but I would really appreciate it if you could give me a tight four on the feature film, um, an American pickle. Oh, can I, Seth Rogen? Oh goodness. Okay, it's funny because it sucks. <laughs> it's a bad movie. I think one of the craziest parts of it was that it was in the slew of. Movies that were in production and were, you know, set to hit the. It was screens. in COVID hell. It was COVID hell. Bit, that's yeah. exactly what. That's how I would describe it. Um, it was in COVID hell. The problem, though, is that some films that were stuck in COVID hell ended up becoming fantastic because the developers of those movies were able to spend more time than originally anticipated to develop their movie, to um, improve the special effects, to maybe go through another round of editing to do this or that. And then you have American Pickle, which is just god-awful. I think... Do you think it's a victim of um, not too many cooks, but like... Too much revision makes the end product worse. It's perfectionism. But, like, it's Seth Rogen, so it's not... Yeah, so it's... Yeah, it's too much revision. I think that's a great way what to put it. What do you not it. like about it? I don't like anything about it. I think that... Um, the Well, it's meant to be, like, a dramedy. Yeah. But it's, it's difficult to... I'm going to say this, that it's difficult to do a dramedy... When the drama is between your between you and you, you and you, so it's Seth Rogen and Seth Rogen. His name isn't his name Herschel Greenbaum. Yes, ha, have you not? Have you you haven't seen the movie? Correct? I've seen it. Okay, I've I was about to film. say. I was like, you know more about no, the no, movie no, no. Than I've I seen, do. I've seen the film. I watched it um, the same day that I watched it. Actually, right in the middle of a triple feature. Just a few months ago, I watched yeah. Mad Max Fury Road, which is incredible. And then I dipped down into American Pickle. And then another movie, which I think was also in COVID hell, which was Nightmare Alley, which yeah. ended up becoming a great movie. I, I really I enjoyed Alley. that one a lot. I want to that. That's the Bradley Cooper, like, 1920s horror-y one, mm-hmm. right? Or is mm-hmm. it the 30s? Like, Great Depression? Something like that. It's, it's, it's carnival adjacent, isn't it? Oh, like, it's carnival. Or he's a barker. Yeah, it's yeah. a carnival-type movie and uh, sort of a noir mystery. And that ended up becoming a great one. But then, I don't know. I think 
Amazon, it's an Amazon-made movie, too. And I is think, it? Yeah, okay. I think that's part of the reason why it's not as good is because I, I feel like it was on, like, the, the front end of, like, a lot of big Amazon projects. Yeah. And it got stuck in COVID hell. And it was just, it, it the pacing of the movie was bad. Seth Rogen is. I actually enjoy Seth Rogen in a too. lot of his movies. I, I like him. He has a. He's he's funny some of the time, but he's just he was the victim of, uh, you know, just being not good in it. See, I guess. you you dislike that movie a lot more than I do. I I, I disliked think... it a lot. I thought there in the drama aspects, it was not heartwarming. It was I had no emotional connection to funny. it, and it just wasn't funny to me. I don't know. It was Seth Rogen just at his worst um no i don't think that's the case could you, Did you watch the interview yeah with I james like, franco yeah oh i'm a huge proponent for that movie i think it was very good they put the thing in the tiger butt they think they put the thing in seth rogan butt. yeah but then it kills the tiger it does kill the tiger but i still think that that was executed better than whatever the hell this was my final thoughts in my final 30 seconds in my type 4 in American yeah. Pickle is that Amazon can do better, Seth Rogen can do better, COVID hell movies can do better um, than whatever the hell that was. I It was also incredibly short. It's not but a it, long movie. But it yeah. felt like three hours long, and really? um, I'll never watch it again. I'd rather, I'd rather run from the home then watch it again (laughs) like you're a ward of the state yeah like i'm a ward of the state see i like that in american pickle uh a a shared love of pickled vegetables unites america and then a hatred of old seth rogan as well and then an understanding yeah remember when everyone gets real mad at him yeah. for being like racist yeah it's he's a, racist exactly yeah it's yeah a i just i don't know i don't know it's I, odd doesn't he goes on a talk show he does but is, is it someone famous that he goes on the talk show with johnny carson is it <laughs> you got me you really got me for yeah. a second um yeah, so Seth Rogen, he can do better. I don't know what his best I, role is. I agree is. he can do better. I don't know what his best role is. I really like him in 50-50. 50-50, he's delightful I, I in that really one. like him in that movie. Yeah. And his Bob in Monster vs. Aliens. Mm. His, I would say at the bottom tier is definitely um, an American Pickle and Pineapple Express. I've never which, seen which, Pineapple Express. It's a stoner Express. comedy, but it's eh, it's whatever. <laughs> there's, no, there's not going to be no, a segue. No, it's a segue. It's Speaking a segue. of... Yeah. Um, could you walk through fire and storm and defeat all adversaries oh, I to you... give me a okay. type four <laughs> okay. on just the general concept of glamping? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, I thought you... Actually, you know what? I'm going to stop the timer real quick and, and say that we've done two of these already. Yeah. And I'd like for the listener to to understand that while it is, of course... A tight four, given our what we know about the movie, yeah. it's also a blend of everything we know and everything we feel sure. about this. And yeah. so, when I give you a concept of glamping, I it, the expectation there is that it's I'm not, not just gonna. It's not a book just, report. Yeah, I'm just not gonna talk about like the the intricacies of glamping. Yeah, yeah, it's not a book report, hmm. but it's also your feelings on it. It is my feelings, but I would love to hear. Your facts and and feelings on on glamping. So with your intro to this this topic, I thought you were asking me to give you a type four on. Um, you said something about like through the fire and storm, and I was like, "What is through the fire?" I was like, "Josh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I can't do it." Glamping is is it is it short for glamour camping? Oh yes. Or like is it glamour? Okay, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if that was the word. Mm-hmm. Glamping is is. Um, Staying at a hotel if the hotel was outside and you were and you had to buy everything in the hotel room instead of just like <laughs> instead of just like paying for it for a yeah. night. Glamping is when you buy like a tent and a big old heater and like you hook it up with like a generator and you have like a TV and you might have like a Xbox or whatever. Sometimes it's, you're in a yurt. Sometimes you are in a yurt. But then, like, yurts are, yurts are more like semi-permanent structures to me mm-hmm. versus, like, a tent that you set up. So, to me, yurt life is, is different than glamping. Yeah. Like, I feel like... I feel Because like, glamping st- is a portmanteau, and it still has camping as the other half of that word. 
And I think to I don't think Camden can be super be in a semi permanent structure. I don't believe so. I think you have to set up in a like if you if I set it, you can like urban camp. If mm-hmm. I set up in an abandoned building, I'm camping. But, but wouldn't wouldn't a glamp ground imply that there's already some existing? <laughs> I hate glamp. <laughs> there's some I would imagine. I I have to assume, having never partaken or been to a glamp ground, that it's probably set up with infrastructure that is more similar to like an RV park mm-hmm. than a true campground. Yeah, I would assume they have like a heat hookup. Like I would assume you have a lot of hookups that are available. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. To you. And you're probably pl- paying a lot of money mm-hmm. to fake camp. To fake camp. I don't... Well, I'm, yeah, how do you feel about I'm the principle of it? I'm anti-glamping. Okay. I think... Because I think you're trying to accomplish two different things, and I think you're doing a worse job at both of them. Sure. If you're doing a bad job at camping, and you're doing a bad job at, like, vacation, or, like, relaxing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Unless you've crossed the border to such an extent that you're, like, so rich... That, like, you have people who are setting up the glamp site for you. Whoa. If you've reached that point, mm-hmm. then at that point, is it? it's not glamping. It's like, it's like you have an advanced party, mm-hmm. and they're, like... Basically, to me, glamping is how you normally see, like... Um, you know in any movie that takes place with, like, colonial Britain in, like, Africa... Mm-hmm. And, like, you'll see, like, all the soldiers, and then they'll cut to the officer's tent or whatever, and it'll be gorgeous and they'll have yeah. like rugs. they'll have like you they'll have like rugs and they'll have like the globe that opens and has a bar in it and stuff yeah. like that and then there's the you know enslaved people who have to carry all of it sure sure that's it, glamping adjacent yeah. to me so you're equating glamping with colonial uh, the british empire cl- colonizing africa i mean what is glamping if not the purest distillation of capitalism yeah honestly yeah no well yeah and like <laughs> Yeah, I just, it really rubs me the wrong way. What's interesting to me is that a glamp ground is not usually a glamorous location. Correct. It, it's kind of just like in the middle of a field. Yeah. Or like a very sparse Well, because you need the space. In, yeah, mm-hmm. like you can't go, you can't glamp in a national park, for yeah. example. Yeah. So you're losing out on the beauty of camping. And, in the be- and if you're that rich, stay in like a five-star hotel. Mm-hmm. Or is that boring to you at that point? Yeah. Have you reached... To me, it's like a measured identity crisis where it's like, I got to get out there. I got to be a man. I got... Or woman. And let and me set up my heater and my TV. Let me live in... Let me get in this, up in this yurt. Yeah. Um, all up in there. And glamp. Good time. <laughs> As an experienced camper, I've yeah. never gone glamping. Well, you're and, too poor. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't think I would. We're not glamp people. We're not glampers. Mm -hmm. We're not happy happy glampers. You you were going to live in a tent with Micah for a semester. Yeah, that's that's true. I actually forgot about that. Yeah, we had had debated. You had the whole plan. In our sophomore, of the the fall slash winter of 2019, we were going to forego our dorm dorm living. And rather than getting an apartment, we were just going to live out in the forest by our college. We were going to get tents and hammocks, and oh, I was going to save us a lot of money. And it was going to be nice, too, because there's showers yeah. in the, in in like the, the, gyms in the school gyms. Like yeah. If but we I... really needed, like, well, th- the world is your bathroom at that point. Oh, gosh. And if we ever needed, like, a shower that wasn't a gym but shower, we get... had friends in dorms. What do you do with the toilet paper? Oh, man. Um, you bag it? Yeah. You, well, if you go to any outdoor goods store, they'll have um, yeah, they crap have bags. The, they I, have... I am 20 feet away from a half dozen crap bags I right know. now. They're, they're right in that room I over know. there. I know. Buddy. We didn't use any of them. But uh, yeah, that was almost my life that for a little bit. I actually almost regret not doing no, it. No, I think you would have regretted doing it. Yeah. Well, because I think if <laughs> I think if we had done it for the semester, yeah. we probably would have done it for the year. And that would have turned the fall of 2019 into the spring of 2020. So we would have homeless lived right through COVID, and that would have been that would have been all right. I feel like you and I feel like UNC as an institution would have gotten mad at you if they got wind of it. I feel like they would have been upset. We would about we it. probably would have camped like right like in the inner workings of the disc golf course. Yeah. So imagine I think they, I think imagine they, like a preppy fratty UNC kid frolicking. You make a bad th- <laughs> throw, and he wakes us up with a bunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just hits us as we're taking our morning piss. Oh no! Mm. Well, I think fondly on that. That's actually <laughs> that would actually be, a, be nice, a good time, nice little time. 
I mean, I don't want to inconvenience you. I know it's no hobo oh, dear. living. Oh, dear. But um, if you could possibly give me the tightest of fours on uh, the concept of the penny in the American commerce system. Wow. What a waste. <laughs> what a waste we are experiencing with mm-hmm. the U.S. penny. Mm-hmm. Having been within the general vicinity of, of, the mint. of three of our, maybe four of our well-used, frequently used mints. I think we only have a few, but I know that there's a mint in The Denver. number in my brain is nine, but the number in my brain entirely is, arbitrary. The number in my brain is four? I know, doesn't, there's one in Delaware. How much money do mint make? Mint make a lot. <laughs> mint make a lot per day. Mint yeah. make too much penny per well, day. Well, because I always think of the movie Mad Money starring Queen Latifah and Jane Fonda mm-hmm. when they work in the Federal Reserve and they decide to steal the money that's going to get burned. Yeah. That's yeah, a whole deal. But that's yeah. not a mint. That was a Federal Reserve. Right. Well, you and I have vacationed to Philadelphia and we passed by the Philadelphia Mint. We did. And then I was just near the Denver Mint yeah. not a few weeks ago. I feel like... There's one in D.C. That's the D. Because sometimes on the side... That's the D? What you can see is... I I think it's on on all coins, but definitely on the U.S. quarter... There's a little inscription near the bottom right of every coin on the, on the head-facing side in which you'll see uh, a D for Denver, a P for Philadelphia. Um, so there's I the Denver know. Mint. Yeah. The, there's a Fort Knox Bullion Depository. That's, they don't yeah. make coins there, mm-hmm. though. There's the Philadelphia Mint, the San Francisco Mint, and then in Washington is the headquarters. Yes. And then there's the West Point Mint. So West Point. I, I think, wanted to say think, West Point because yeah. I knew that there was a W, and I felt like it was West I Point. I believe the places where coins are produced are Philadelphia, Denver, San Francisco, and West Point. That would make a and lot of sense. And then Fort Knox is part of the system, but they and don't make coins, DC and is DC the is the headquarters. No matter how many mints there are, pennies. they're making too much gosh dang pennies. I remember reading something years ago that said that they were manufacturing something like 26 million a day. Why? Why? In today's economy, with inflations at the highest they've ever been, or the highest, the highest, (laughs) excuse me, the highest that they've been in decades, we're experiencing record inflations at the moment. We're in a bad spot. We're in a bad spot. Pennies are becoming more and more obsolete by the day. Now, I was saying this kind of stuff 10 years ago, but no one would listen. When and now, 12. In, in the year of our Lord 2022, I think people are starting to catch wind that that not just pennies, but coins in general, with the, with the exception of a good old American quarter, are becoming obsolete. You're never going to get Americans to give up on coins. Yeah, I think the, the, the reason being is that you can never get Americans to give up on cash money. Yeah. Cash money. Cash money. Cash money. Um, because um, to turn our economy into a fully digital economy would turn a lot of heads and would make a lot of people angry. People don't want to trust credit card companies. I don't want to trust a credit card I don't want to trust credit card companies. Um, but that being said, if we would... To have a cashless economy would yeah. also mean having a coinless economy. Of course, that would that would be the natural flow. We wouldn't yeah. get rid of cash but keep our nickels. However, I, funny. I I it would be very funny. However, well, I, theoretically the price of coin, like the value of a quarter would jump up to like 50 bucks. That's very true. And therefore you would just pay with coins for lard. That'd be funny. Yeah. Sorry, continue. However, I think that if we were to get rid of the most useless of our currency, which is nickels, dimes, and pennies. Pennies, of course, being the most useless. That would turn a lot of heads and people be like, oh, this is the beginning of a cashless economy. It would make a lot of people upset. Yeah. So, of course, we can't get rid of pennies because everyone's going to be like, oh, it's an American institution. However, pennies are useless. They're, they're a gigantic waste of zinc and a little bit of copper and aluminum, things that we can be using to get our Zeppelin program up and going. <laughs> well... I was going to end on that. <laughs> I timed it a little bit wrong. Um, I care very deeply about the amount of blimps and zeppelins that we have in this country because there's only there's like less than a zeppelins dozen. Zeppelins for you are what like um, a trans-American railway system is to me. Oh, I care so deeply about a trans-American railway system. However... But also, could you imagine a blimp? Did the Hindenburg scare that many people? Yeah. Well, okay. Fun fact you is grew that so I, gr- there, I grew yeah. up in Lakehurst, New Jersey, which is... Um, you know, making contact with the Lakehurst, Fort Dixon, Hatfield, um, 
Air Force Base, yeah, uh, or Navy Base. The or spot. Um, it was the spot where the Hindenburg um, crashed. was was uh, crashed, um, killing thirty plus people in the in, in the nineteen thirties. Uh, the man yelling, "Oh, the humanity!" Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we would take our yearly field trips. I'm sure we would go yeah, to the site and we would go to the museum. Um, and yet, despite the fact that Lakehurst has less than two thousand people, mm-hmm. it is still titled the airship capital of the world. Because we're selfish bastards. Well, once you get it, you don't lose it. Exactly. Baby. So we were works. we were a little bit more popping back in yeah. the '30s than we were now. Well, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you didn't bring up that pennies for a very long time have cost the U.S. more oh. to produce than the cost of a penny. Most certainly. Also, Canada already got rid of theirs. Yeah. Like years ago at this point yeah like six seven years ago, it would maybe longer. it would make sense to maybe follow canada's lead i don't want i don't want bag milk i do not yeah. want bag milk. <laughs> but when has the united states followed canada's lead that's, that's a good question a good i don't point. really know I there's got to be a time but, but it's like canada's sure. doing something u.s is like oh we got well, yeah let's let's follow them let's mm. follow their direction i don't know i don't know i don't like pennies though i can say no, that pennies are bad i I sadly I got rid of the oldest coin that I had, which is a penny from the early '30s. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I think I just gave it away. I think I, I have a silver dollar from 1908. That's pretty cool. That my great grandmother had. That's probably worth tens of thousands no. at this point. No, it's not because <laughs> it's super faded. It's yeah. Been, it's been. It's not in like mint condition. Uh, oh man. Well, <laughs> Max. Ah, what a time. Here's what I'll say. Yeah. I. It would mean so much to me, and I honestly think it would mean more to you. Is this, this, is this bit going to get old? No, never. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I think it would mean so much to you, but also to me, if you were to give me just a real tight four on the 2016 World Series winners of the Chicago Cubs. Hmm. <laughs> You're welcome. What if I just spent four minutes in <laughs> contemplative just silence? Just, going, hmm. just, <laughs> just nodding. Just in reverence, reverent silence. Mm-hmm. The 2016 Chicago Cubs broke the, I believe at the time, longest title drought in American professional sports. Oh, yeah. Um, it had been 108 years since the Cubs had last won the World Series. We won in 1908 versus... I think the Giants mm-hmm. at the time, the New York Giants, like the Brooklyn. Yeah, was it Brooklyn Giants? Mm, I don't somewhere in New York. I, it was in New York. Um, we we won a few pennants. We the Cubs. No, the you Chicago, can say we. Yeah. You're allowed to say we. Um, we won a few pennants. I think we won one in like 1945. I think we won in the 90s. I think we maybe won one in the 80s. Uh, but we could never get past that. We never, um, we never could do it. Cause I can, I, I've seen like, it's really sad. I've seen co- the covers of like Sports Illustrated from like the year in the '90s where we won, and it was like Chicago is gonna do it. We didn't do it. <laughs> we, didn't we didn't do it, do it at all. Um, the 2016 Chicago Cubs is the greatest baseball team <laughs> ever. <laughs> Better than uh, Murderers Row. Um, the 1927 Yankees, mm-hmm. I think is what that yeah, team better. was. Better. Um, yeah, much better. Could you give me the starting nine? No. I don't no? have the starting nine. I'm wow. so sorry. Um, I, the person I always think, the person I, I guess I most associate with the 2016 Chicago Cubs, um, is Jake Arietta. Okay. Who was our ace during that time. Uh, he was. He had such a fantastic pitching season that year. He was, and John Lester was also pitching for us at the time. It was truly incredible. Uh, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Jason Hayward, all these guys Bias. slugging. Javi was playing. That's yeah, uh, yeah. By that point, he was fully broken in. He was our starting shortstop. I, I think he was. I don't think he was still, like, rotational at that point. I'm, I don't remember mm-hmm. fantastically well. Um, that World Series against the Detroit Tigers, good. I cried. Yeah. I cried. Uh, when sure. the last out got thrown, I I cried like a little boy. It was Game 7, wasn't it? Was game it? Seven. Which is incredible. It was a Game 7. It was a... Um, Extra innings? Ooh. Did, I think, didn't it go to the 11th? It may have gone to the 11th. 
if I'm remembering the play correctly, it was like a it was a ground out. I think to it was either to Chris Bryant at third or to Javi at shortstop. I think it was third, and I, then it was to Chris Bryant and a throw across to Rizzo at first to get the run to get the batter out, and that's how it was. That's it ended. That mm-hmm. was it. Um, yeah, I I wish so badly that I could have been in Chicago, mm-hmm. like for the the parade the or parade, anything yeah. like that. I just. Cause what I so what I think about is my my family has been Cubs fans on my mom's side, so if you go from my mom to her mom to her mom to her mom, wow. So my grandma's grandma, so my You're, mom's great grandma, my great great grandma, mm-hmm. she would was get the original Chicago would, Cubs. <laughs> She would get dropped off at, at either Wrigley or Westside Park, whichever it was at the time, to see games, and that's the lineage. That's the li- there's, there's there's a lot, lot of history. lineage. To there's that a lot thing. of history yeah. there. Um, it was a great series. It was such a good series. I didn't watch a whole lot of it because I'm not a series. Chicago Cubs fan, but like by proxy, you I know? am by proxy. Yeah, for sure. Well, you didn't even know me in 2016. I don't have a Phillies hat. Did you in know this me house. in 2016? No. I don't have a Phillies hat in this house, but I do have a Cubs hat in this house. I know. Which is odd. Do you, did you know me in 2016? No, I don't believe so. I think it was 2017. What? I knew Caleb in 2016. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet you till 2017. Yes. Sure. 2008, however, the Philadelphia Phillies won their World Series. <sighs> they did. With the starting lineup of Cole Hamels at the pitcher. Chase Utley in there? Chase Utley was at the two. Ryan Howard at the one. Jimmy Rollins at the shortstop. Pat Burris? Not Pat Burris. That's a different... There's Hannibal Burris. No, not Hannibal Burris. Pat Burrell. Excuse Pat me. Burrell. Pat Burrell was at our three. Carlos Ruiz was at our catcher. And then in our outfield, we had Raul Abanez, Shane Victorino. And then at that time, I can't remember who we had. I think it was Jason Worth. Mm. Jason Worth was... He was a great guy. When he got traded to the Nationals, I did cry. Because I was a little boy when it happened. It <laughs> you were, really you were a young boy. Yeah, it, it made me cry. Well, but, uh, that was a good day. I don't want to make you cry again. Yeah, I don't plan but, to. But <laughs> um, I just try not to get too emotional while you provide me with a tight four on, I think it's 15-time champion Joey Chestnut. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Now, th- th- there's a man. There's a man who knows how to tackle. Did you see he choked the dude out? Yeah, I know. That's okay, what I'm saying. Yeah. He knows how to take a man out. Take down some dogs. Joey Chestnut is one of the most dominant athletes in this country, and that's not a joke. He has competed in so many Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contests at Coney Island and has won... It's 15. It's 15. It's I don't... 15. Is he undefeated? I don't know if he's undefeated. I don't know if he's undefeated. What All I, I know is that he is yeah. a dominant slugger in his sport. 15 was... He now holds the most single competition like championships in time in organized Cause sports. Because he, because he, he was tied with. I think Nadal had like fourteen open wins in a yeah. certain open, and he just passed him, which is incredible. I think Joey Chestnut is. Um, I love him. How much? What do you think the ratio of hot dog demand is? Ratio of hot dog demand. Um, at this point, right after. Oh, right after. Well. He ate 63 hot dogs this year, which is incredible. He ate 63 hot dogs in 10 minutes while also choking at a guy and tackling him. And he still won, which is incredible. Like, the fact that he was able to, like, he was mid-bite as he ripped him down. And then even while looking down at him and, you know, giving him the business, he was also stuffing a hot dog in his mouth. I love him. He's a patriot. I think with athletes, I think the greatest example of this is found in the NBA where... Athletes are competitive, and athletes are, like, locked in, and they're, like, aggressive and whatnot. Mamba mentality. The Mamba mentality, for sure. However, I do think the age of athletic meanness has gone down. Where, You're like, talking, like, 90s Pistons versus today's NBA, like, that kind of yeah, deal? exactly. Like... There's no Ron Artest anymore. <laughs> There's no Ron Artest jumping into the stands, beating the hell out of uh, watchers, like yeah. uh, viewers and guests and there's of no, the of the sport. And there's yeah. also like no like fierce. There is fierce competition. I'm not going to say that yeah. the NBA has gone soft, but the the 
dynamic between Larry Bird and Magic the Johnson. Rage. The rage. The There's rage no, is missing. That's, that's what I'm looking for. There's no rage. It's all about the money. It's, it's all about, not the, about money. the sheer but dominance. Like, if you have Stephen Curry going against LeBron James in the NBA Finals four years in a row, yeah. you would like to hope that by the end of the four years, they hate each other. That they are sworn enemies. That they are just fighting tooth and nail. They can't stand each other because they're in fierce competition. And and yet when you see them, they're kind of best buds. And it's kind they're of... friends. It's yeah. a little... It's not frustrating to see. It doesn't make me mad. But it makes me kind of sad, you know? So I, I appreciate a little bit of grit in my competitors where, sure. like, they don't have to be... Um, they don't have to be friends with their people that they compete with. They don't have to be likable. The public doesn't even have to like them. And I think Joey Chestnut is such a loved athlete, not because he tries to be loved. I think when you see him, he seems like a little just like bored or grumpy or standoffish. Um, and yeah, because he's not really an entertaining He's not an entertaining man. guy. He's just, yeah. he worries about the grind. And the grind is eating 60 plus hot dogs in 10 minutes. I love him for his grit. I love him for his just tenacity on the dance floor. Um, and yeah, that's Do you what I... something about him that I, I call it the dance floor. I think, I oh. think when you're in the heat of competition, <laughs> you're dancing with them dogs, man. I was like, I you know that I don't? really do love Joey Chestnut. And uh, that's time. But... Um, Man, what a man. I'd like to remit my statement earlier. I said that the Cubs beat the Tigers. They beat the Indians. They did beat the Now Cleveland, the Guardians. The, formal, the artist formerly known as the Cleveland, Cleveland Indians. Indians. Yeah. I didn't think apologies. it was the Tigers, but my, I figured you knew It's because we were I talking did. about Javi Baez and he got traded to the Tigers. That's exactly right. That was my issue. Yeah. You talk about wanting to be in Chicago with the, the Cubs World Series. I want to be in Coney Island next year. Um, I might try to make a point go. of that. I'm going go. to Coney Island next year to go see Joey. Do you Joey, pay go chess. Do you buy tickets? Or do you, just ha- yeah. do you show up to Coney Island? You don't show up. You buy tickets to that thing. Where else? I mean, if you have something like a spectacle like Joey Chestnut or a spectacle like Badlands Chugs, who's also there every single year chugging a gallon of lemonade, and he wins like every year. Um, well, the lady champ is also, she's won like 13 in a row. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I would love to just see, like, an eating contest, but I don't want to go to, like, the state fair and no. see scrubs. No. I want to see the, I best, see of the, the best. best of the best. Yeah. And, and that's, like, a tendency for me. It's, like, if I'm going to do something, I want to see the best of it. You know, I don't want to, you know, just see some half-assed thing when I can see the professionals. I'd rather be patient. Joseph Bide Chestnut. my time. I'd like to see Joseph Chestnut. Is his name Joseph Chestnut? On the, chest, on the chestnut floor. I wonder What's what the chestnut I, floor. I love. Why to, is everything a flo- Joseph Christian chestnut? I was wondering what his middle name was. He's thirty-eight. In my brain, he's so much older than thirty-eight. Yeah, he's. I mean, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't do this until the day he dies. Yeah. Do you think he dies? On the, do you think he dies up there? Almost certainly. I think he dies doing what he loves most. Remember when he lost two years in a row? Or no, just one. He lost in twenty fifteen. To come back here, boom, came back. Yeah, in yeah. 2016. Go, Joey, Joey not, C. I know. This yeah, no, year not, isn't his comeback year. year. Yeah, so I had to, so I had to edit that part out. I really hope. I really hope yeah. it worked. Yeah, I'll definitely that whatever we just heard. No, you didn't. <laughs> um, moving on. Goodness, Maxwell. Yes. Being where we are right now, in, in the in the good old South. Oh, okay. Hendersonville, um, North Carolina. Hendersonville, North Carolina. I would just love a tight four. On a local, by local I mean regional legend, okay, who has exceeded this legacy beyond the South, into the country, into an international sphere. Are you talk about Dolly Parton? I would love four minutes on Dolly Parton. Dolly, ah, oh, be still, my beating heart. <laughs> I love Dolly Parton so much. Mm-hmm. Truly, when people point to like a celebrity who is a legitimate role model, my mind goes to Tom Hanks and Dolly Parton. They are national treasures, and they should be respected. Dolly Parton, country music superstar, generational appeal, decades of hits, purveyor of Dollywood, the amusement park. Of course. Which is delightful. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a bad time at Dollywood? Never. I didn't think so. Um, Movie star of um, 9 to 5 fame. Have you seen that movie? Never. They poison their boss. Nice. Great with rat poison. Who's they? Dolly and her com- co- 
Compa- compatriots? Compatriot. Compatriots. I don't know who the other ladies in that movie are, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. She's in um, Rhinestone, in which she plays um, a country music superstar. Her name's Jake. I don't remember her last name. Um, oh, it's Jane Fonda again in 9to5. Uh, Sorry. She plays a country music star who makes a bet with her sleazebag manager that she can make anyone a country superstar. And the anyone is... Um, New York cab driver Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Incredible. It's a horrible, horrible film. Um, but it's Dolly. It's Dolly. It's yeah, it is so bad. It's mm-hmm. and you can listen to the music on Spotify. I highly recommend everyone go and just listen to a song from Rhinestone. Um she's also there's a very niche movie called A Smoky Mountain Christmas, in which she plays Another country music superstar. <laughs> She's always a singer. She's typecasted. She's typecasted but as a, herself. But in a good way. In the best way. She her she like breaks down in Tennessee, where she is from. Mentally? Um <laughs> no, like a car. Oh, okay. Um and she ends up running into a mountain man and the and then they run into this cabin where I think it's seven orphans are hiding. Okay. I think they're all siblings. <laughs> they might not be. I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've seen it. But they basically have a fun little Christmas. There's a lady who's a witch. Like a full, honest-to-goodness witch. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton is like an angel. Like it's heavily yeah, implied that well, she is she an is. angel at the, at the end of the movie. It's really good. It's kind of a fever dream from my childhood. Yeah. It's a very like TV only movie that you're only gonna get if you're in like North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee. Right. Like you're not getting it outside of the this southeast region of the mm-hmm. United States. In our last minute here, if we're talking discography, where do you usually go? My go to? I mean Jolene is a classic. Um, I'm incredibly partial to the song Islands in the Stream, which is a duet she did with Kenny Rogers mm. in like late 90s maybe early 2000s like it's a much more recent song than most of her songs um her version of um joseph and the immediate like uh coat of many colors coat of many colors yeah Mm -hmm. her version of coat of many colors i heard a lot as a youngin um in terms of like album i couldn't point you to like a specific favorite album i have which is an issue that i'll rectify Mm -hmm. um but just I mean, 9 to 5 is great. I love the fact that she uses her acrylic nails as percussion in that song. That's pretty great. Um, yeah, she's an innovator. She's a delight. When there was a bunch of fires in the area, she has this thing where she guarantees books to any child in, like, the southeast. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. She's such a good person. She is. I Did you know, like... That's I'm, I'm a finish. I'm a finish okay. about, <laughs> no I'm problem. A finish no about problem. Dolly. Um... Did you know that she wears a wig when she goes out and just dresses kind of like a southern grandma and people just don't recognize her? Mm-hmm. And also that's why no one super like knows what her husband looks like because they just stay out of the private eye. If I remember correctly, there's only a very small amount of photos, like yeah. less than 10 photos yeah. in existence of her and her husband together. Yeah, um, It's because he fully stays out of the private eye. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance you've seen Dolly Parton? No. No. I think I, I think I would know. You'd probably know. How many times have you been to Dollywood? Not as many as I'd like. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in years. Are you a ride guy? Not when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. I haven't been to Dollywood since I was a kid. So yeah. if I went back now, I feel like I'd like it even more. Yeah. I've probably gone like two or three times. Yeah, But the I, best, haven't, I haven't been in a long time. The, I'd best, like part to of, go. the best part of Dollywood is that they have um, like this cinnamon bread. It's like, well, your cousin adores Dollywood and Dolly Parton. Yeah. And when she moves here, I'm going to try and organize a trip to Dollywood. It's incredible. I just want to go to Dollywood. It's incredible. It's All so the rides fun. there are great. They do shows there. They do shows. Um, Dollywood and Christmas time is particularly incredible because they'll do like parades. And yeah. they. I watched a theatrical version of uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And there was a big musical number where Mr. Potter like did a little song and dance. Incredible. Yeah. I'm Delightful. Gonna, we should go to Dollywood at Christmas. Yeah. Joshua. Oh, yeah. Shifting tracks. Mm-hmm. quickly to another icon of popular music but more more recent of a debut sure than miss parton mrs parton my apologies can you give me um can you give me four minutes on bob oh <laughs> <laughs> i love bob i know famous rapper singer 
flat earther. Didn't he go back on that? No. I thought he did. Maybe he did. I thought he I thought he was As far as I know, man <laughs> believes the earth is flat. I love it though. Which is great because he has not one but two songs about airplanes. So you would think <laughs> How do they work? You would think how do they work? Because according to flat earth theory, when you fly a plane, um, you know, you're able to go straight. But if but if we were to be in something of a spherical earth, sure. Um, that you would feel the plane constantly dipping down because mm-hmm. if it's going flat, it would eventually leave Earth. Yeah, you would so just you constantly go. have to dip, and mm-hmm. so he's like, "Well, that doesn't make sense." Bob is um, incredible, but I'm only going to be able to speak about two of his albums. No, that's okay. the only two that that's I care okay. about, which is um, "The Adventures of Bobby Ray" mm-hmm. and "Strange Clouds." Mm-hmm. I was first introduced to the man known as Bob. Um, I think his name's Bobby Ray Simpson, uh, in around 2010, 2011, with his smash hit, Magic, featuring Rivers Cuomo of Weezer. Um, The song is incredible. I know Mm -hmm. every single word. I've known every single word. I always forget that it's Rivers Cuomo, to Mm -hmm. be completely honest. I've known every word to that song for exactly a decade, Um, because even today, uh, I listen to it on a bi-monthly basis. I love the song. It makes me happy. I listen to it with you. Um, it's it's wonderful. Um, there's a lot of pretty good tracks on the Adventures of Bobby. He does Ray. still think that Earth is flat, by the way. Good. He is that not is good. His mind. He has um, a two-parter thing called Airplanes, which is on that album. Uh, Airplanes Part One and Part Two feature Haley Williams Haley of Paramore fame, yeah. um, singing the chorus. Whereas in Part Two, he has a feature by Eminem. In what is there. the What does the chorus sound like? Um, well, if we pretend the airplanes in the night sky or like shooting stars I could really use a wish right now wish right now wish right now thank you great song I, I actually really do love it I also know all the I know all the words to the part one too but not the M&M ones because Re- I think the M&M one he says a couple slurs in that one that I'm not gonna I'm B-O-B not gonna or M&M? M&M I'm not I'm, don't hold me to that because I, I know B.O.B.'s gotten in trouble for some anti-Semitism for sure I, well, no, I know I, that, I, yeah, I know that yeah, for yeah, sure yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but also in the Adventures of Bobby Ray, you'll find stuff like uh, The Kids featuring yeah. Janelle Monet, which is a great song. I like Janelle um, Monet. Magic. She you'll did. also Bust to Windows. Yes. Um, I can't remember any other tracks on it, but it's going to haunt me later because I know I'm going to remember it later on. You're going to feel bad about um, yourself. But then later on in like 2013, 2014, he released Strange Clouds, mm-hmm. which is incredible. That was like club bangers. Strange Clouds. Um, he had one called Bombs Away featuring Morgan Freeman doing the intro. Yeah. Incredible. I've listened, the only time I think I may have ever listened to that song is with you. Yeah, it's really good. He has Lil Wayne on there. He has T.I. on there. He has, um, he has the ever problematic Chris Brown on there with the song Arena. Um, B.O.B. is great. He has a very lyrical flow. He talks a lot about his childhood, but he's also just a partier. And so it's, it's very much... B.O.B. style is he raps a lot about the rags to riches type thing, which is, I came from nothing, and, um, you know, we had no walls, no ceiling, we, you know, we ate nothing um, in the the bad parts of Atlanta, but then he'll also rap about how great I am, and I'm rolling up to the club in a helicopter, this and that. Um, He's a very... He's proud of his accomplishments, but he's also very boastful in his, what the, his just, lyricism. As we wrap up, I think yeah. the timer's going to go off, but I have one final question for you. Spring, spring, spring. Yes. What does B.O.B. stand for? B.O.B., I wish I knew. You don't know? I'll tell you. I don't you. know. Is it... Well, the only thing that I can say is yeah. that in the, in the 90s or early 2000s, Outkast right. came out with a song, right. B.O.B. Bombs Over Baghdad. Yeah. Is that what also... That can't yes. also be... Yeah, that's what it's from. His rap name is just the name of a song. He took from his name, yeah. From it's from two thousand, and it's bombs over Baghdad, and he just took it because he liked it. That's very odd. That's where his name's from. That's very strange. It's it would odd. be like, I don't know. It would be like if Kings of Leon was just called BYOB. I don't know why I thought of Kings of Leon, <laughs> but there's that um, there's that uh, system of a down song called yeah. BYOB. It would be like if a like a twentieth first century rock band. Um, just call themselves another acronym. That's yeah. dumb. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sorry to have tainted your opinion on B.O.B. a little bit. I don't that. have much of an opinion on him anymore. I don't listen to him much anymore. His later albums were like... You just told me you listened to some of him bi-monthly. Yeah, I do listen to him bi-monthly. That's six times a year. But I listen to him more for the nostalgic value, especially in those two albums. I don't listen to anything before or after that. Yeah. Um, Shout out our mutual acquaintance whose favorite artist in the world is B.O.B. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you look... You're the one who told me that. That's very true. I have talked to him about it, though. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Um, yeah. I'm on my last one. You are. Yeah, we're, we're nearing the end of our time here. Mm-hmm. I'm on my last one. You got one more afterwards mm-hmm. in the pocket. I would like you to take a trip back. I'm scared about this. Into um, the 19th century. Okay. And perhaps, just maybe, give me a little play-by-play routine. My heart's going. Of, August, uh, of April 15th, 1865, otherwise known as the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> maybe, perhaps, give me a little play-by-play of uh, the events of that day. 1860s America is a country divided. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by eighteen by what what's the date? Give me, give it April fifteenth. April fifteenth. By April fifteenth, eighteen sixty-five, the Civil War has ended. Um, the Union has won. The Confederacy has been throat stomped. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah! And but Abraham Lincoln is still a very unpopular figure in the Southern United States because you know racism. That's most. That's the main. That's the main reason. Yeah. That's the main. That's the turning point. You were going to go on a list. But I was really going to go on a list, and it really just boils down to one thing, mm-hmm. interestingly enough. Like, I, people will be like, no, oh, states' rights. States' rights to own slaves. Yeah. Um, Abraham Lincoln is a sad man. Wife and him, I think, love each other as friends, but don't super love each other as, like, a married couple. Like, that's always the vibe I've gotten from them anytime I read anything about him and, and Mary Todd. Um, dead son. Uh, Willie, mm-hmm. if you're familiar, died sick in the White House. Very mm-hmm. sad. Um, very aged from the war. Decides that he's going to have a night about town with his wife. They're mm-hmm. going to go to um, Ford's Theater and see... Do you think he was hoping that that night would be a little opportunity to rekindle the fire of their marriage? No. Okay. No, I think by that point they had fully accepted it. That'd be sad. I don't even. Th- I don't think they even slept in the same bedroom at that point. I'm pretty sure they were. That's very sad. Yeah, um, but I think they were kind of okay with it. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure though. Um, they went to Ford Theater to see a play called My American Cousin, which was the bump in. It was it was the, the hottest it was thing. The Hamilton. It was, it was the, the Hamilton of the day. Um, it was absolutely bumping. Little did he know, <laughs> a ring of conspirators were conspiring to murk my man Abe um, John Wilkes Booth from a family of actors his father was a very successful actor his brother was a very successful actor known primarily for his performance I believe in Julius Caesar Mm. is what his brother like that was his role or I don't remember now his dad and his brother were both known for specific uh, Shakespeare roles. One of them was for sure Hamlet. Yeah, cool. I don't remember if it was his dad or his brother, and I think the other was in Julius Caesar. Mm. Don't don't take. My, I know one is Hamlet. I'm not sure about the other. Um, so John Wilkes Booth, actor extraordinaire, Southern uh, patriot, <laughs> Confederate Southern bad boy, <laughs> decides I'm gonna shoot the president of the United States. <laughs> he arms himself with a pistol and a knife. And he, in, in Lincoln's box at Ford's Theater, it is him, his wife, and there's one guard who is like a, he's not a general, he's like a lieutenant or like a colonel in the U.S. Army. Not very observant. Well, he was, he's one dude watching a play. So like, I think, I think like the Secret Service wasn't super a thing. Yeah. Um, John Wilkes Booth sneaks up behind Abraham Lincoln. Behind his rocking chair, which is baller to bring your own rocking chair into the into the box of a theater. It's not unlike what we discussed um, earlier with the British colonials coming. Yeah, in it's and, same vibe. You know, uh, do you think he had a globe? With a not in bar? the theater. <laughs> uh, pulls out the gun, shoots him in the back of the head. When did he shoot him in the back of the head? Intermit- when there was a gr- big laugh. Oh, there was a big laugh because it was a comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was a comedy. Shoots him in the back of the head. 
leaps over the banister, lands on the stage, breaks his leg, yells six semper tyrannis, death Which to tyrants. Thus always to tyrants. Thus always, my apologies. Which is from Julius Caesar. Which is awesome. Which is pretty baller. Yeah. Like John Wilkes Booth was baller. As a, as a, as someone who was a theater kid in high school and like to this day very much so enjoys theater and like has read a lot of Shakespeare and stuff, it's pretty rad. Um, breaks his leg, runs away. They immediately catch this woman who like ran a boarding house. Like she's caught immediately. Yeah, she's she, done so. She's she's hung. Another guy is hung. But John Wilkes Booth and a friend run and end up in this barn. He's still got a broken leg. They the union tracks him easily because mm-hmm. of course they surround the barn. And I think the the theory is that like a guy who's aiming with his musket or his like rifle sees a glint of something he's aiming through like a crack almost in the barn and sure. he sees a glint of i think people say i could be wrong i could be misremembering he sees a glint of what he thinks might be like a weapon but it was like eyeglasses or something mm. like that and he shoots john Wilkes booth in the neck and wow. he dies slowly like wow. he kind of drowns on blood it's very gruesome mm-hmm. um but also a pretty metal way to go yeah i mean you've just You've just committed a horrific act that was you've one committed, of the most yeah. memorable moments in United States history. You've committed the most, the highest treason I think you can commit. Oh, can yeah. Can you do anything worse than shoot the president? You could disrespect me. <laughs> you could cross me. I don't know. Um, have you ever, I, I remember reading about um, the play the, the an American cousin, yeah, my American cousin, my American cousin, and I remember reading what the joke was. Yeah, it was, wasn't funny at no, all. No, because it's such a topical thing of like, yeah, it, it was about like British, a British aristocratic family yeah. being visited. They by should an have American. just brought Seinfeld out there. They should have brought kill it. Jerry Seinfeld's great <laughs> great great grandfather. I don't. I bet you. I don't think Jerry Seinfeld's family was in America yet. Probably because Jerry Seinfeld, if I remember correctly, is partially like Ashkenazi European Jewish mm-hmm. and then I think he has Syrian ancestry mm. from a different side I know a lot about Jerry Seinfeld yeah um <laughs> but I I mean it, it only feels fair right that I took a little trip back I would really like it if you would take a little trip back for me of course um maybe if you could talk for four minutes if you could fill that time uh about March 25th 1911 the date of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire? <laughs> um, I'd be happy to close out our session today um, talking about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. Do you remember fire. this from like high school? I remember it very briefly, okay. so I, I'll need a lot of leading questions. Yeah, give me, give me the However, give me you've got. Um, right in the heart of the Industrial Revolution, Henry Ford was going balls to the wall up in Detroit. Rocking out with his little assembly line. Sure. Britain was filled with smog as the heat of industry was bumping. Yeah. We were in the midst of incredible growth, incredible wealth for those that were able to obtain incredible growth and incredible wealth. Uh, Not including those who were being treated horribly with little wages and uh, getting stomped into the ground. Most people. Most people. Um, We had child labor during that time um, because... It was all right at that point. Um, but also we had trains. <laughs> they were pretty active. So, you know, it's a give or take a, sort yeah, of. You the Industrial lose, Revolution's you, pretty give or take. You because, gain some, you lose some. Because we had uh, immense levels of earthly pollution. We had an, um, a, an incredible rift in income inequality. Mm-hmm. Um, we had greed turning a new face that we had never seen before. Yeah. Um, the likes of which would only... Uh, exponentially grow Could you, from 1911 onward for the next can we get a little so bit more years. focused in on the but on, the on while we had all those things mm-hmm. we also had freaking trains man and they were awesome but where was the triangle shirtwaist i believe it was chicago mm-hmm. maybe new york correct could have been new york it was new york if i remember correctly the factory was working under very uh, not cool with OSHA if OSHA was OSHA around. Did not exist. If OSHA was around, kind of uh, conditions. Uh, it was very very dry. There was a lot of loose fabric just everywhere. It is. There were a just textile factory. were just drying out in the sun and getting more and more just stuffed up. So much so that if I don't know a single spark were to ignite 
uh, it would quickly spread across the entirety of the factory. Mm-hmm. Um, if I remember correctly, even the contents between brick wall and drywall um, were filled with you know materials that allowed fire to just shoot up through the walls from yeah. floor to floor, um, essentially turning it into one gigantic matchstick. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it didn't go well, meaning, uh, it didn't, meaning it didn't go well. Um, I don't know how many lives were lost. Yeah. How many deaths do you think? I just, if, okay, legitimately, I don't know, but I'd like to guess, uh, conservatively 77, 107, 157, very close. 146 okay. people. Oh my died. goodness, that's a lot. It of is. I, I know at the time that's maybe, like three or four Hindenburgs. Maybe, <laughs> maybe still to this day. Um, it. I know for a fact at the time it was the deadliest industrial like disaster in American history. It may still be in terms of death tally. Yeah. Um, what it was was a scrap bin of fat. That's what it was. It was a scrap bin. Caught. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the bigger issue is. Can you tell me anything about the status of the doors and windows in the factory they were non-operational they were uh they were knobs they were metal knobs you're giving me hand signals <laughs> we have 20 seconds left would you mind they were enlightening locked. me they were locked why were they locked <laughs> oh, i didn't know this why were they, they locked? Were locked so it was a common practice to stop workers from taking unscheduled breaks <laughs> unscheduled suicide breaks yeah they would be they, they were horrible based, they were like if we don't lock these doors these uh, 14 year old girls are going to sneak out of this factory so the, yeah. all of the doors and windows were locked wow um, and that's why people couldn't get out um, also, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really joyful sound <laughs> that everyone's stuck in here everyone's and couldn't get out that's horrific yeah so they they had it locked so people couldn't sneak out also apparently there was a no smoking policy but they would people would sneak in cigars of course I knew that and part. like and like blow it out apparently through their lapels to kind of like hide the smoke mm-hmm. um but yeah, it led to a huge amount of legislation and mm-hmm. things like that. And I feel like anyone who has paid even a smidgen of attention in an American history class will remember at least the name. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those weird things that it sticks with everyone because it mm-hmm. gets brought up so much. Right. Yeah. But truly, tr- truly horrific. Yeah, truly horrific. Um, I would ask you two questions even though it was my prompt do you think this had more effect and the answer is yes i know it is do you think that this effect had more uh this event had more effect than uh upton sinclair's the jungle because while he was hoping that that book would pass legislation it was this event that was able to do so totally different industries but i know that upton sinclair wrote the jungle to really change the way um that workers were um treated and working conditions uh but while people were dying in the meatpacking industries, it wasn't one concrete, definitive uh, disaster. Whereas, so, because so many lives were lost, that's what led to they, so they worked in different ways. Mm-hmm. the The fire, I think, was a direct catalyst. Upton Sinclair wrote the Jungle in an attempt to push for workers' rights. Exactly. All what happened was people who read it went this is what's going into the meat I'm eating and the tinned meat. It created the FDA. And that's why, yeah, that's why regulations got... He want, He was a socialist. Mm-hmm. He wanted to help workers' rights and protect them and get them better working conditions. But instead... That didn't particularly happen. If any of that happened, it was a byproduct of making it a cleaner and more supervised work environment. Right. Because people cared more about what they were consuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were consuming dirt and glass and bone. And bone. Yeah. Like just, human fingers. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. And rat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have a second question? Yeah. What would happen <laughs> if Ted Kaczynski was a block away from that fire in 1911? In 1911, we get him. I don't know where that question went. I just, I know that it was it was a byproduct of the extreme aggression and forward movement of the Industrial Revolution. And then I thought Ted Kaczynski. And I thought, because he didn't what like, if you did a sandwich? Because Ted Kaczynski two. didn't like, like capitalism and stuff like that yeah well his, i've never read his manifesto. his opening line is that uh, talking about the the fact that um the industrial revolution has has done far more harm than good to, to the human race i think he could have put a stop to it you think ted kaczynski could have put a stop you we're at, we're at time now you think ted kaczynski if left unchecked well when did his bombings happen 90s 90s 
I think a motivated Ted Kaczynski in the 1911s with the proper resources, I think it takes so much longer to catch him. Well, yeah. That I, I think, mean, that's John Mulaney's whole bit of just like, yeah, if, as long as they weren't there at the scene yeah. of the crime, I, I, you get away with maybe it. Maybe stopping it is a bold statement, but I think he, I think he would have been more successful in his goals if he okay. was uh, if it was in the 1910s. Our next episode, we should open it up with a slight reading from the Unabomber Manifesto. I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that okay. either. Well, everybody, Let's not do that. Thank you so much thank for, you so for much stopping by. <laughs> Thanks for taking this exit on the road of life. <laughs> we'll see you guys on the flippity flip. I don't know, that's the vibe you gave me. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so this is a new little little ditty that we're trying out. We we had I had fun recording this episode. I had a lot of fun. You had a lot of fun? That's nice. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm glad that you have fun. I'm glad that you have fun. <laughs> Hopefully the listeners have fun. Yeah. Um, we'll see you later. We'll be, we'll be guys, back in a week from Big now. guys and girls and NB folk. Absolutely. I love you all. Bye.